My name is Andy. I help people and organizations connect a purpose and make a difference in the world. In these wild and uncertain times, this podcast is an invitation towards better futures, exploring the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible people, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dog. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a member of my small but mighty community of monthly supporters. You'll help me keep the lights on and provide funding to a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at thewonderdomepodcast.com. My guest today is my dear friend and soul brother, Miles Barreto. Miles is a self-described spirit and body geek. He's a uh, trans, masculine, gender fluid, Latinx, yoga teacher, writer, embodied therapist who is based in New York City but leads retreats and trainings and workshops all over the world. And he has recently released a memoir called Beautiful Monster of Becoming. This is a heart-wrenching, move-you-to-tears story about Miles' journey, breaching the boundaries of gender as he comes to connection with who he really is across generations, across multiple cultures and across borders. So one thing that I found so fascinating and inspiring about Miles' story is that he was almost 40 with an entire life already lived as a woman in Bogota and Colombia and in the U.S. when he comes face to face with his father's impending death and realizes that he's been stalling for decades on embracing who he is for fear of losing his family's love. So this this moment of clarity and reality about our fragility and the short time we have in these bodies on this planet catalyzes him to be fully known as his father's son before it's too late. And I just saying that out loud gives me the chills. I realize as I share this that the question of identity and transgender identity is highly charged around the world, and certainly here in the States, as many states pass laws that make it dangerous and unsafe to identify as transgender. So part of our conversation explores that question of how do we how do we claim who we are when there are people who would literally rather have us dead for being who we are and uh, as a man in a white body who has received a lot of privileges for my particular set of identity but who also has parts of me that identify as queer and as different it was incredibly meaningful and inspiring to receive in real time, not just in this conversation, although you will get it in this conversation, 
but also in the, the, the private spaces I've been able to share with Miles and the smaller intimate spaces to receive in real time what it looks like for someone to be fully embodied in who they are, to be willing to work across boundaries that might be terrifying, to accept that that might not always be successful, that some people just will not be able to make the journey out of their current worldview into one that makes room for, for in Miles' case, for his identity, but for, for any of us, for our identities, to accept that that's a loss, but to stand tall anyways. And the book just, I mean, geez, he's also such a good writer. Like, I got to hear him do a live reading, and it was just, there was a, it was to a, a men's group, and so there's a bunch of guys in the room hearing this story and we're all like, what the hell? Like on the edge of tears as Miles shared some of the pressures of performing femininity while ultimately becoming what he describes so delightfully as a gender outlaw. The book brims with wonder and humor and mythos and so does this conversation. I'm really excited for you to receive it wherever you are in your own journey of self-identity and also in relating to others' identity. So let's get settled in <sighs> and hear what Miles has for us. Oh, Miles. All right. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. Hi, Andy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Gosh. It's nice to see you. It's really good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. So you've written this book, this, I mean, I don't want to embarrass you, but like masterpiece of a book. Oh, this, wow. This just gorgeous, heartrending memoir, Beautiful Monster. And it's it's sort of the like professional reason we're here, right? Because hey, when you write a book, you should go on podcasts and talk about it. But it's also for me as your friend and as someone who's got to witness at least a teeny, teeny, teeny window into your incredible journey. It really is very personal to me to host this space with you. So thank you. Thank you for joining me here. Thank you. It's it's very magical to be able to share the space with you. So I really appreciate our friendship and I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. When did you know that you were going to write a book about your journey? At first, it wasn't so obvious. I was, I used to write a blog for I started maybe maybe like 15 years ago. I started writing this blog like once a month because I thought uh, the I'm a yoga teacher and have been all this time, uh, almost going on 18 years. And the philosophies of yoga seemed like the thing that was most challenging for my students to, to hold as they moved through the day, it seemed like it was really the physical practice and the benefits of the physical practice were very clear, but sometimes the bridge between the physical practice and um, 
a way to move through the world in a more yogic fashion was challenging for them. So I started writing this little blog where I would do these stories um, about whatever little dharmic bite I was thinking about in my life. And as I started writing those, uh, I really, it was a process that I really enjoyed. I would put, I would basically write one a month and I would send it out to whomever mm. was on my newsletter or whatever. And through that process, I ended up with, with quite a compilation of little essays. And at the beginning, I was considering just making like a little, I don't know, like a little book of essays, mm. you know, that uh, because people seem to like them. And then as I started looking at that process, um, two things started to happen. One was that I felt like the the essays, some of them were felt stale now because they weren't happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think their content necessarily was stale, but they felt a little stale to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really realized that I, I had more writing inside of me, I guess, <laughs> you know, uh, or more nice. things to, to say. And then the other thing that happened was uh, that it really, I started writing the book six years ago and six years ago, there was very little information about trans people out in the world. And I would get lots of questions from my students uh, who are, uh, I would say in a great majority, not trans and, um, and mostly cis and het hetero. Um, so I would, I would get questions from them and I realized that there was a need, um, mm. a, a need both from me to tell my story, uh, which I hadn't really realized was there. And then also there was a need in the world for my story as a way to bridge what, what a trans lived experience is actually like. Mm. Um, so that's what ignited, that's what sparked the the thing and then you know it became a question of how how <laughs> <laughs> but that was the why that was the original yeah. why mm. Mm. i want to i want to hear more about how you got to the how because already in, in my head i can imagine a version of what you just described it's like oh there's a need here and i'm and i seem to have more writing in me and i could imagine like i'll write some more essays about you know Kind of answering these questions and it's a bit more of a kind of professorial sort of let me teach you mm. but the book you wrote is uh incredibly intimate i mean just searingly intimate so there's something both very generous and maybe a bit risky to, i don't know at least for me to the mm -hmm. felt sense of like opening up that much and saying like okay you want to know what it's like Here here's what it's like <laughs> okay so i want to know how you got there but before i ask that question I, I there is a part of me that's still curious about about this you said something like what it means to walk through the world more with a yogic kind of mindset and sure i sense that that is really important to you still today as a philosophy that there's something about that teaching or those set of teachings that are are an anchor for you. And I wonder if you could just say a bit more for folks who maybe don't do yoga or maybe have also have a bit of a 
2D story about what yoga is. And, Sure. you know, like my, my 2D version of yoga is like, oh yeah, it's like a bougie fitness thing for, you know, people who want to like look good in spandex, right? Like that's the kind of, there's a sort of bit of a negative energy Sure. I can sometimes carry towards yoga, but you're talking about something deeper there. And I wonder if, if you could bring that a bit more to life, what that means to you to walk through the world with a yogic mindset. Of course, it's it's a rich conversation for sure, because uh, as someone who was raised Catholic um, and is very interested in spiritual life um, in a non-dogmatic kind of way, I'm interested in, in the spirit in in the the workings of the spirit, what what it's like to be a spirit inside of this suit, this. you know, rental for this lifetime. And also, um, and also what, what happens, uh, a lot of the, the, the inquiry of the book ended up, uh, becoming distilled in what happens to the spirit in death. Um, and, and that's become kind of a, a big curiosity for me, uh, especially, because my dad passed away five years ago. And as he got sicker and sicker, the question of his spirit and my relationship to his spirit and, and what was going to happen there, you know, became really, really interesting to me. Um, and, and yes, I think there's, there's definitely with the mainstreaming of yoga, there's been a lot of, um, of, it's easy to feel very exhausted by it. Uh, I think that that also touches me. It's not something that I'm immune to as a yoga teacher. And the, I think there are two things for me that are important in, in having this discussion with you about it. One, that just because a philosophy or a set of philosophies is old, Uh, doesn't mean it's necessarily right. <laughs> so I, ho I hold that in one hand. And, and also the, the, the philosophy of yoga or the proposal of yoga uh, in terms, in, in philosophical terms, I think is one that for me in my life has really offered me uh a deep connection to my backbone. What I mean by that is a deep connection to my essential self. And, and for me as a trans person who grew up not seeing myself reflected, and of course I didn't know I was trans, I transitioned very late. So I transitioned at the age of 40. I don't know if that's late. I mean, I was right on time for myself, Mm, but, mm. but in terms of, you know, I didn't transition at 11 years old. I didn't, you know, so I don't, I don't, know what that's like but for me because i grew up in a world where we really uh didn't have words for a lot of things yet um yoga became a a shelter and a place where i could uh it was like a compass and i could find my north and and it also became a home for me of sorts um within myself like it, it really brought me home to myself and in that process um i think it's single-handedly been the thing that has kept me um you know before i 
I sort of knew what was happening. And, and as I sort of grappled with the world and the, the outside demands of the world, it was something that kept me whole, that kept me, that kept, kept me steady, mm. that, uh, that helped me navigate the world in a way that, that had some semblance of grace and also that had some semblance of hope. Mm. And so it is very important to me. It's, it's kind of something I've been practicing phys- the physical practice of yoga, maybe for something like 28 years. Um, and at this point, the, the, the gifts that I've received from it are really well baked into my life. Uh, and not in a, in a rigid, you know, it's not like I, I only eat lettuce and, and, um, you know, (laughs) and I'm up at four in the morning for three hours practicing yoga every day. It's not like that. It, it, I think it comes out more in, I I think I want to underline that. Like, that's like another sort of stereotype story we can tell (laughs) about this practice that you have to be some sort of ascetic monk, right. And, and that if you don't do that, then you don't get it either. So, right. Right. And, and so I've, I would, I think I'm a little bit of a, um, a post lineage yogi, if you would, were to call it in the sense that I have, I have, um, I have, I have do- dove in, divin, I have dived deep, <laughs> dived, I'm sure, I yeah. have dived deep into, <laughs> into lots of different lineages of yoga because I'm a deep diver, but I also have kept my uh distance enough to to be able to choose the things that i feel are relevant and work and the things that don't some people might think that that's um not the way that the yogic process works but that is the way that it's worked for me mm-hmm. and i think what's nice about that is that i'm I, you know again i'm not dogmatic about it i feel like um i feel like there's beauty there but there's also a lot of harm there and so i've 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 cherry picked, but I've cherry picked in an educated way. It's not like I've dabbled uh, and then just taken, yeah. you know, yeah. like I've, I've, I've gone and I've stayed and I've lived. And then I've been like, oh, okay, this is what's interesting about that. Um, that yeah. seems to me to be, so, I mean, you're preaching to to the choir here, but I just want to really celebrate that that seems to me to be this approach you're describing, which is to be, I'm going to dive deep. I'm going to learn from these lineages. I'm also going to hold true that just because something's been around for a while, doesn't have all the answers. And I'm going to like sort of prioritize what, what feels and comes true to me in my first person primary experience, right? Like, because everything we know about, I mean, pick your sort of contemplative practice, whether it's a, you know, Judeo-Christian prayer practice or a, you know, Hindu meditation practice or a Buddhist uh, contemplative practice. These are people who figure this stuff out by doing the stuff, by sitting, by moving their bodies, by paying attention to their sensations, by fill in the blank, whatever it is they Absolutely. did. So, so to then for them to write it down and pass it forward is a kind of gift, but it's still ultimately like their individual passing forward of the gift. And, and so then you as as miles today shows up and meets that and says, okay, how is this 
let me try this for myself. Really try it for myself and see what comes true. And it's a practice. Yeah. It's an experience. Yeah. So the the dare of any of the texts is for you mm. to experience it yourself. So mm. me as a teacher, it's it's like don't take my word for it. I'm offering a possibility or I'm offering an opening or a window for your experience, but ultimately your experience should be the 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 guiding light and the guiding force. And one of the things that um, is, I think, a, a major tenet of the yoga practice is this word uh, in Sanskrit, vivika, which is discernment. Mm. And really, mm. one of the, the koans, as they say in Buddhism, uh, or the riddles of the yoga practice is this idea of discernment. It's, it's, it's meeting a practice because the word yoga actually were, means uh, to yoke, but I think a better or more relevant translation of it is relationship. Mm. And mm. so the practice of yoga is really being in relationship to myself, to you, to the world, to this glass of water, to whatever mm. it is. It's it's mm. how I meet how I meet every everything as I, as I move through space, right. As I GPS myself through space. And so then the practice of Vivica becomes very interesting and very uh, profound because it, it really, um, it enables me to understand and to continue to be curious about how I'm relating, mm, mm. you know, I'm getting this kind of maybe this builds on your sort of GPS metaphor, but like there's a sort of uh, a tuning or an antenna. There's a sort of way in which through this practice, you've, you've developed your own capacity to notice things more clearly, how you feel, how things appear, what that does to you, what that does to other people, what it's like to talk to one person versus another person. It's all of these subtle differences that, allow more like when I hear the word discernment I hear something that's conscious it's like oh because I can now sense and feel these things that I couldn't sense and feel before I can choose more I have more choice I have more agency I can lean in or I can lean back and there's no right or wrong thing to do but now I can trust my discernment as opposed to just sort of imitating or mimicking or or reacting Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And the, the, I mean, this word that you use tuning is one that I use a lot in my work because as a musician, I uh, also mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a way of tuning, you know, you're like a tuning fork and you're both um, sending, you know, the, the listening is a two way street, you know, it's sent you, you send and you receive. And so it's, it is a way mm. to 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 find um, yourself in space, and I think what it also does is it provides a deep felt sense of presence, because it's not just about controlling. About when you 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 tune an instrument, you tune it, and then it's it's there, and then you play it. You know what I mean? But you don't try to control necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, you know whether it's going out of tune while you're while while you're playing it, or um, I think that there's a when you can trust yourself 
in a world that's ever changing and uh, and and a self that's ever changing when when you can trust sort of something as everything else changes mm-hmm. you know that then there's a a a way in which you can show up a little bit better because you can be more present without having to uh grasp or get attached to the outcome mm. Mm. gorgeous I'm so glad we went down this thread. And I think now it really feels exciting to me to ask, like, how did you discern the nature of the book <laughs> that you were writing? I think that we can we can go there now. Yeah. I how think, did you get to the how? Yeah. The, 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 I think the book is, um, well, I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell my story because I thought it would be interesting to people because I, I grew up, I, ha- I have a little bit of a, of a, uh perhaps a different path than a lot of people that I know. I grew up in in Colombia during the 80s and 90s when Pablo Escobar's war was raging on the populace here. Um so I think that for example that is a point of interest to people. Um I also uh was an actor for I've had many uh lives in this life. Like I've because I'm a deep diver, I've had many things that I've done very very um with a lot of rigor for extended periods of time. So I, you know, I, I was an actor for a long time. Then I became a yoga teacher. Um, and I think that, that also with my transition, having lived as a woman for almost 40 years and then sort of starting to transition and, and um, I guess give space to my own masculinity which in turn has given my own femininity space. Mm. I felt like there was a story there to be told. Uh, and I am a huge lover of stories. I love myth. I love um, when I teach my classes, I I have always thought of it as, as teaching like a physical story, like something that has a beginning, a middle and an end. So I always feel like I'm, I'm hoping that people to give people like a rich experience. Um, and in a way, the book became a uh, a synthesis of more than just my story. It became a synthesis of my life's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it became a way in which I could bring my love of story, uh, my love of my culture, uh, and sort of uplift that because I feel like Colombia has had such a bad rap, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the mm-hmm. mainstream for so long as well. Um, it became a way that I could celebrate my family. It became a way that I could celebrate um, all of the bumps in the road uh, when we all didn't have language and couldn't do any better. Um, it became a way to celebrate the 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 pits and the falls of our own humanity, and and the fact that we've manage to traverse that and still be in a space of love. And then I felt that that, you know, as the, as the book started to, to take more shape, uh, I felt that it, it then became, um, I mean, I, I wanted it to be a, a teaching tool because I feel like one of the unfortunate things about being the, probably the only unfortunate thing about being trans is that uh, you have to become a constant educator. And I say that it's unfortunate because uh, sometimes it gets really exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think 
really, if you're a good person in the world, you kind of become an educator because that's that's sort of what it is to be a, a good human in the world. Um, mm. Mm. And so I, I wanted the book to be. I want to, to hear have, more about that idea, but but keep going. Yeah, yeah. totally. So I wanted the the book to to have um, to have an inbuilt education, but not to be necessarily didactic or educational. I really wanted it to be like a literary experience mm. of with all the things with the yoga that's baked into it with um, I wanted it to be felt. So I, in, in some ways I, it ended up becoming like a yoga class of its own. So it nice. has the breath built in, it has everything. So my, my hope was that somebody would read it and feel the way they feel after a yoga class, you know, because the experience mm. is, mm. is kind of paced and um, orchestrated in a way that has a, uh, that has ripples that are a little bit deeper than just your imagination or whatever, that it could actually like, like touch your heart and your energetic body in some way too. Well, I can certainly, I love the the sort of philosophy of that approach that it's very yogic and it's right. Like the, the, the word for the thing is not the thing, but can you with words create a thing, something that is experienced And right. yeah, I can, as I can, at least for myself, I can attest that, that I really, that your book did touch my heart, that there is something mm. deeply beautiful and energizing about the way in which you use language, the way in which you structured the book. It's quite special. It is mm. an experience. I'm so glad. Cause that's, that's what I was hoping, you know, that it became like almost like a thing uh, that it, the it alchemizes something other than what it is you know that the combination of you and the book um adds meaning to itself you know what i mean in some ways that that there's something other that happens there that i am not a part of mm-hmm. i i think that's a really magic thing you know yeah I and mean, one of my favorite authors is uh, an essayist and speculative fiction author her name's Ursula K Le Guin she passed away I don't remember exactly with when it within the past you know decade she passed away but um she really spoke beautifully to the ways in which any book and really a great book but any book is a co-creative act that mm-hmm. it just happens asynchronously that right. you synthesized all of this over this period of years of writing the book until it emerged as something that you could give to somebody else. And you might know, you might give it to them directly and know who it is like me, or, or they might find their way to it. They might be on the other side of the planet and find their way to it. But the happening is, is in those very moments where that other person is now reading and as a result, bringing to life, this version, this little, this, this personal version of what you've created. So it's just this kind of real co-creation between you and every reader who reads it. Which is also contingent on when they meet it, you know, mm-hmm. what, what the, the, whatever uh, synapses or whatever sort of happenings happen are, are unique to the moment, mm-hmm. which I think is so um mm-hmm. I mean, it's so magic. Books are so amazing because they don't have a shelf life and yet they meet you at that specific time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then that's the moment that that magic happens. And I love her work, by the way. She's a genius. I mean, she was a genius. She was a genius. Yeah. Mm. So 
say a little bit more about this. On the one hand, I hear an honor, and I, I sense this is true for anyone who's in a particular identity that isn't always privileged in dominant society, this kind of burden of education, this burden of like forgiving people their ignorance again and mm -hmm. again and again, and uh, not taking it so personally, even when it can feel really personal. On the one hand, I honor that. And then I also heard you say, and I think to be a good person is to be an educate is to educate. You said something to that effect. I wonder if you could talk about that those two ideas and how you hold them and what's important to you about education as a kind of uh, essential act of being human. I, I think education is everything, you know, it, it, it is um, how we meet the world is how, like what we're able to perceive is how we meet the world. We, we meet the world as we are not at, as it is. Hmm. And so I think that um, especially with the challenges that we're facing as a, as a world with climate and, um, and war and all the things um, we are, um, you know, there, there are always going to be dark forces because we are all capable of darkness. Um, and, and our 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 choosing the light in some ways is a product of education. Our, our choosing to be more open, our choosing to love, our, our choosing to care, I think, is a product of education. Our choosing to hate and um, is is much easier, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And and so in in some ways, um, even though it is fatiguing. I think it, it's extra fatiguing as a marginalized community because there's just more uh, that's unknown. I think it's also a very good mirror, you know, because uh, it, it's not that I have been bereft of, of producing harm in the world either. You know, I, I've had my ignorance and, um, and, and I continue to have my, my sort of like patches where I don't see and without the amazing, you know, teachers in my life, you know, friends like you, uh, mentors that I've had, my family, you know, I mean, where would I be? So, so even though we are kind of tasked with this, with this, you know, continuing uh, thing of having to educate, uh, I do feel like that's the, that's the process of love. That's kind of the, that's the, the love in action mm. is, is, mm. is kind of stems from education mm. um, and our ability to really, to, to listen, you know, which I think is, is the other component. It's the ability to, to really take in um, other lived experiences and, and, and to take in, you know, how we meet like, again, how we meet the world, how we meet animals, how we meet this glass, how we meet, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know, there's that, that um, short idiom, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it, I, I do feel like that, that is, uh, that is to some degree true, you mm -hmm. know, and, and yeah, so it's just something we, we are always, I don't know, I think if you're a good person, um, or trying to be someone who who is a change maker in the world, you're always going to be 
leading by example. You're always going to be um, uplifting younger people, where, whether they are your kids or whether they are mm-hmm. just younger people in your, in your, you know, as a yoga teacher, for example, um, like I'm always thinking about the, the younger generation of yoga teachers who are coming after me and how I can bring them with me and how I can uplift them. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that's, that's part of, part of being a good mentor and a, and a good teacher is not just vying for my own wellness, but it's considering that. And also if, you know, looking to the future in that way, but also looking to the past, it's, it's honoring my elders and mm-hmm. having, I think that lineage of, of the awareness of the importance of, of those two things to me is more important than lineages that are just rigorously based in their own lineage. Mm. To me, that is actual Mm. lineage. It's Mm. caring about the younger folks Mm. who are coming after me and also caring about the older folks and how to help them, you know, um, as they also leave their teachings with us or sort of move beyond, you know, Mm. Mm. beautiful. You know, it's you're, it's really bringing to life for me an experience I had this past summer um, where, and, and I really felt in the wake of this experience that, that the, the language you just gave it, I was like, this person did that. And I, I didn't necessarily use your language then, but I felt it then as well, which was, which was someone who I was leading a large workshop with mostly white people. I'm in a white, light skinned white body. And, um, I, I made a comment that I think in retro, I know in retrospect kind of was reinforcing a certain stereotype that the global North often has about the global South. In Mm. fact, it had some connection to Columbia and sort of, you know, it was the Pablo Escobar thing and kind of the Mm -hmm. Netflix, how everyone watches Mm. narco, you know, the whole kind Mm -hmm. of like sort of story that's there. And this person could have just written me off mm-hmm. and maybe even a part, part of this, you know, part of them did, but instead through a series of events, they sat down and said, this is, this is how that impacted me. Mm. And uh, it was incredibly humbling and incredibly <sighs> hard as someone yeah. who aspires to be, sensitive and attuned and aware to to see that I fell into a trap perhaps partly of my own making and also partly of this kind of dominant cultural making uh and it was one of the most important experiences in my recent memory for my own development oh wow yeah and they didn't have to do that for me and it was a big risk because to your other point you said it's about teaching and listening Right. If I was defensive, if I was unable to listen to their point of view because I'm a good person, no, I didn't mean it that way. No, we don't take it so hard. Like there's any number of things I could have done to to defend. Then that that instance of of connection and change wouldn't have been possible. So there's this kind of uh, willingness to risk yourself to say, hey, you're not seeing me as clearly as you can see me. And then there's a willingness to to receive that risk with grace. And it's yeah. it's 
that feels pretty yogic in a way. Like there's this, Totally. that's, that's kind of what I think why I'm so lit up right now by this recognition and, and this lived yeah. experience that this is not some abstract, nice thing. Like this might be the difference maker for us as a species is our ability to accept that we're all walking with these lineages. We've inherited a whole bunch of ideas. Some of them are brilliant. Some of them are brutal. Some of them were neutral once and have become negative. Some of them were negative once and have changed and evolved. And, and to just be in relationship with all of that is going to, that's the only thing that's going to allow us to talk to each other. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, it's just easier to, to write someone off and to do that physically with violence or with cycle, you know, to ignore them, to be ignorant is a kind of violence. So I just really, I'm really appreciating the way you're, you are in particular kind of saying, I'm, it's not always easy, but I'm going to, this is essential. This is essential for the elders and for the youth and for me as I walk through the world. Yeah. I, I'm resonating with so much that you're saying. And also, I think that the, one of the important components is also that individually, you know, I am not independent of that, you know, that, that, that the learning is always happening and that, that there are things that I don't yet understand, you know, and I'm also thinking of when you were talking, um, I had this, um, this vision of uh, Julia Child and uh, how, when she was uh when she did her tv show uh it was a big uproar because on the one hand she was uh you know making these beautiful recipes and teaching people how to cook and that was really inspiring to a lot of women but it also happened at a time when feminism was mm. uh changing and so there were also people who felt like she was bringing you know, history, history that she was pulling history back. Mm, and, and mm. I think that the, that's a tension, you know, what might've been like good and bad or just such, such, um, object, sub, such subjective terms, you know, um, for me, it's really about like, like how can we continue to build the world and sort of create the world that we want to be living in? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that at any given point, you know, the oceans will collide and sometimes you don't know whether the force, what the force is doing just yet, because it hasn't quite uh, the sea hasn't settled, you know, you can't see the lake hasn't mm. settled and you can't mm. see through to the mm. bottom of the ocean. Mm. And I also feel like as we learn, you know, just because, for example, I'm a trans person doesn't mean that I didn't grow up with homophobia. And it doesn't mean that I am not homophobic mm. because mm. I grew up with mm. inherited homophobia. I'm sorry, mm. transphobia and homophobia. So I grew up with 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 incredible amounts of of that sort of in the system that I was growing up in. So those things are also within myself. So in order for me to be okay in the world, I've had to chip away at those things as much as anybody else who encounters me. And that's really interesting, you know, because it makes us more similar than different, mm. Mm. you know? Mm. Mm. So there's a there's a wondering in me. I'm curious to hear how you hold this. Um, you're holding yourself with so much compassion and a willingness to look at the parts of your upbringing that you've had to chip away at, and also the ways in which you 
you know, weren't seeing yourself and, and the ways in which you found yourself, all of this work that you've done. And, and then someone walks in the room and like, I mean, all of us do, this is sort of our, our Achilles heel as a species. And also a, one of our superpowers is our ability to kind of like shortcut to mm. some kind of understanding quite quickly. And that shortcut, which can turn into a, a deeply ingrained bias against or prejudice or a hatred or an othering can be so deadly too. So, so we just have this, someone, you've done all this work 40 plus years of your life and someone walks in the room and they're like, Oh, I know what you are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you do your best and you hold space and maybe they get it and maybe they don't and off they go into the world. Not quite sure what my question is, but I guess I just like wonder, I wonder how you think and feel about folks who are scared. Like there's maybe a category of folks who seem to be violently against. And that's mm -hmm. a sort of category that scares me when mm -hmm. I think about how much we can harm each other, when we mm -hmm. pick a certain identity and go, that identity needs to be erased. That's like, whoa. So I don't yeah. know if I want to talk about that yet, although we can, but then mm -hmm. there's like a, a category below that, that's just like, that's weird. That's different. Like, I, no, that's too, to, to learn about that is going to uh, like just they just shut it off and shut it down despite all of your best efforts to be mm -hmm. educational and to whatever you might be doing they they look at your book and they don't even read it like how do you mm -hmm. how are you thinking and feeling about folks like that who maybe just are really resistant to opening up to these these other ways of being or ideas or are afraid of them or what do you what would you want to say about folks like that it's a good question you know i think it's one that we are all I'll have to meet at some point with our work. Um, I, it's not that I would give up on anybody. I, I really wouldn't even give up on the haters probably. And yet I think from, from traveling this course, I've learned for myself that to really aim toward the middle slightly middle um bless you slightly middle up uh you know where uh i feel like the people who are on the opposite side of this but who are like no i'm not gonna change them in this lifetime hmm. but i feel like hmm. there is a certain sort of center piece that i can affect hmm. um and my hmm. plea is to them you know hmm. uh and ultimately Yes, the people who are scared. Um, I mean, I definitely think this is true for my book. And I think this is true of sort of my relationships in my family um, and with my friendships is that one of the big calls in the book is for bravery, mm. for courage uh, from people. Because I think that that to meet, for us to meet um, my life, is such that it requires a courageous counterpoint. Um, unfortunately, like I, I can't really deal with family members and friends who are not courageous because being me in the world 
Um, what I mean by that is someone who is, uh, let's say tolerance, let's use the word tolerance, which was very like a buzzword, maybe 10 or 15 years ago in the queer world. It's like, oh, your family's being tolerant. That's so great. Um, well, tolerance is to me the same as silence. It's it's an inaction which people feel is not an uh, I'm sorry it's an action which people feel is not an action or an inaction. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sometimes people feel that by being silent they're not doing any harm because they're not doing anything. But actually the silence is harmful because it's not it's still an action. Mm-hmm. Right? So not voting mm-hmm. for example is still an action. Mm-hmm. Um just because you're not voting doesn't mean you're not voting for the bad guy or well, whoever you deem is the bad guy, you know, or whatever. It, it just, it's still an action because you're not actually making a choice. And so I think that that space of tolerance is really, um, I think we're seeing and we're learning that is, is still in action. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so the book is a call to, to bravery and to courage for people to be not in that space of, tolerance but to actually be in my corner because Mm -hmm. in order for trans people to continue to live um and to start to find lives that are that are doable we need people actually in our corner um not just in the middle being like oh i'm okay with trans people and it's cool but all these laws are meanwhile being put into into you know it's like we we need people to join us and take action. And because we're such a tiny uh, sliver of, of people, you know, um, and because there's such a, a raging war on who we are, on our uh, health care, uh, our mental care, you know, it's, um, it's really almost impossible for us to survive. I mean, the, the statistics are something insane. It's something like 70% of trans people make less than minimum wage Mm -hmm. and uh, a a huge amount of the population of trans people is ends up working in sex work or um, sort of like offspins of that, like massage. And, you know, because we, we don't get hired, Um, you you know, there's biases to get hired. If we do get hired and we show up looking a certain way, then we get hired. It's very hard for us Mm. to hold jobs. Um, mm. people don't pay us as much. People don't think that we're smart, you, you know? And so I think that, um, in some ways putting forth a book, uh, which doesn't have a shelf life, you know, it, it, it can exist in any, if it exists, then it exists through time mm. is, is, um, for me was, a uh, like an activist kind of way to put, to sort of put a story forth that, that challenges people's notions of what a trans person is and hopefully um, widen their understanding and, and for them to be like, oh my goodness, I relate to this person who's not like me at all, but I'm having a human experience here while I'm sitting here and they're having a human experience. They, they crave love. I crave love. Whoa. You know, mm-hmm. like we are actually mm-hmm. more, more similar mm-hmm then we are, the, the things that are similar about us are way broader than the things that make us different. And I thought that bringing that to light was, uh, I don't know, in some way, like a dharmic, you know, like it was part of my purpose and it was something that I could do uh, 
to continue to appeal to that medium base that might be sitting sort of thinking, oh, it's great. Everything's great because now trans people have representation and they can they can exist. They're fine. And it's like, no, sweetheart, we're not fine. There's nothing fine about us, you know, but we need we need, I think, greater understanding and greater education on what's not fine can help people um, maybe bridge that gap from silence to actually perhaps standing up, you know? Wow. Thank you for that, Miles. I really feel touched by that. Mm. And sad and uh, hopeful at the same time. Yeah, it's all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I without, uh, what do I want to say here? I think what I, for some reason, what I want to underline for folks who are listening and, and some of the folks who are listening might, this might be the first conversation they've ever listened to with a trans man, who's also, of course, a man, a human, an artist, a teacher, all of the things that you are, but this might be the very first conversation you're listening to. And I hope, I hope so. That would be really special in a way that we've totally that space for them. But like what you described about silence and inaction and like there's there's an even more fundamental message that in a way I want I want to speak to, which is like the the silence, the acceptance of the status quo, whatever the status quo is, is so human. Like you're not a bad person if you accept the status quo. And this connects back to this discernment thing, I think. The more you wake up to how hurtful the status quo can be for lots of people, right? Lots of identities, including like, you know, like, and I say this very humbly, I don't want to compare my experience as a, as, a, as a white-bodied man who can easily pass as a fully heterosexual man, although I have parts of me that I, I really experience as queer, but anyways, like I, I'm in, I'm in a position in our society that gets a lot of upsides mm -hmm. and I can, and I'm still aware of the ways in which our society, like if I, if I lose, if I go broke or have a big medical accident, like I'm not rich, you know, and if something happens, our society, oh, sucks to be you, you know, like totally. there's this way in which writ large, our society is okay with letting people get ground up. Yeah, by not having enough privilege and access. And I just want to like really for folks who are hearing this, I hope that something's coming online for them specifically about how we treat trans people and how awful it is. Certainly it's happening for me right now. And also more broadly, I hope that that like my deep wish is that people lean into what you so beautifully describe as this power of discernment to like notice that the status quo just because it seems like that's the way reality is like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. We don't have to keep accepting this. So there's something also in your call to courage that says, okay, now that you know, if you now choose not to do anything like that's, that's even more of an inaction than before you didn't know. And right. you were choosing that. So there's just something, I just really want to underline that, like that this is, there's a kind of bravery and just being willing to notice and pay attention. Right. That is 
then once you've done that, you know, you have some responsibility. You know, now Totally. you have to do something. <laughs> I don't know. How does that all, Totally, how does that really totally. And I think to, to even take it a step further, you know, I think that, um, you know, if, if our broad base of humanity is, is mostly similar, right. You and I, as a human, as an animal, um, and then there are some differences, then to me, that implies that, that our differences are sparks, are, are points of interest that you and I can teach each other and that we can learn from each other. And I think that there's something uh, really powerful about, about stepping into that space. For example, right now, there's, I feel in the world, a huge tension between masculinity and femininity, right? Um, there's, there's a big question of our time is what is, how can we, Ex how can we uh, be in our masculinity in a way that's not toxic? And I think it's created this, this real friction between, let's say, the, the two uh, sort of like most honored genders, right? Um, and, and really, if, if you think about it, how many people do you know that have lived as a woman and as a man and who have been through puberty twice and who have been through, uh, you know, um, menopause and, uh, you know, who, I mean, there's a key, there's a key, I think, to, it's not just that, that we should be brave for the trans people so that they can exist. I think there's a, the step further is that trans people are magic And we have something to offer people who aren't trans in terms of an understanding of something that the world is really in need of and that we are all craving, that we would all benefit from some of the some of the things that the some of the keys that trans people hold. And you know, that's not to say that that straight people don't hold keys. And you know, I'm just saying that that's that's a, a that's where we can help. And, and we're not being used, we're not being um, appreciated or used um, in the extent of the things that we can offer the universe. And so I think that's really like an interesting proposal too, you know? Wow. Yes, that is an in that is the understatement of an interesting proposal. It is so that was really potent, Miles. I was very touched by that. Yes, there's this. I don't even. I have nothing to add to that. That's that's it. That's it. You just really, really moved me by that. Thank you, and I, I hope others hearing this can really hear that. That each of us have keys to understanding all of us, Right. and that that trans a trans man like you, for instance, is a very particular key. That's going to be real hard to find. And if we push it aside, look what we've done. and and it doesn't We've closed undermine that door completely. you know and it doesn't undermine your key i mean what would Yes, i be in the yes. world if i didn't have your friendship and i i also i also benefit from what you offer me like i also have been learning ways of being a man in the world through your friendship you know and that's uh, like that is not something i take for granted or that i feel 
is an understatement in any way. So it's not, I also feel like this, this competitiveness of, mm. you know, if, mm. if, if I have a gift, then I, I'm not saying I, I'm not leaning into predominance in any way. I feel like all of the gifts are essential and they're really, I think if we're going to make our way out of uh, these horrible challenges that we're facing as a, um, as a species, the only way we're going to be able to do that is by unlocking some of these questions together. Mm, mm. Gorgeous. That feels like perfect place to end this moment and this conversation. Totally. It's the beginning of a lot of other possibilities, I hope, for people who are listening and certainly for me. Thank you, Miles. This has been really special. Andy, I love you so much. Thank you. This I is, love you this, too. I mean, just getting to hang out with you and have a conversation <laughs> about this, that, and the other is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> That's, yeah. When I realized I could, I could just do that and record it and call it a podcast. I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I feel that deeply. Uh, well, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll be sure to include link to the book and your website and everything in the show notes. But for folks who are listening in this moment and want to go find more, where should, where should they go online? Um, they can, if they want to find me, they can go to milesyoga.com, um, which also the book is there. Um, and the book is called Beautiful Monster, A Becoming. It's a memoir. Uh, and I don't know, I hope, um, I hope people, uh, if they're inclined, uh, pick it up and read it. If you can buy it from an indie bookstore, do mm -hmm. that, please, because mm -hmm. that's just uh, so much better for all of us. Um, and also share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with anybody you think that might need it. Because, of course, since it is a trans memoir, it needs all of the help from all of us to be able to. It's it's just infinitely harder for me to get my story out. Mm. Um, so I also want to inspire people to kind of, um, if they dig what they're hearing, if they dig what's in the book, to just be be a force to help me get the book out there. Gorgeous. Do you know if it's, it can be found on bookshop.org? It can. It can be yeah. found on Bookshop. It can also be found on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and many Many, I think a few indie bookstores are carrying it. Many aren't yet. But if you call the indie bookstore and ask for it, they'll order it for you. And that will also inspire them to carry it. So that would nice. be awesome. Yeah, yeah, great. We have a, we, I'm just starting a wonderdomebookshop.org kind of recommendation page. So oh, we'll make awesome. Sure to add this yeah, yeah, there. totally. And also, yeah, I don't really like to point towards the big the the big company named after a part of the work <laughs> just yeah I, I mean, get I, it as a as a yeah. as a writer you need to make a living and that's you got to have your book there if you're going to make a living but we'll we'll make sure we get the bookshop.org version which supports independent yeah. bookstores and yeah that's beautiful totally and there's also like uh you know there are online queer bookshops like there's uh, shopqueer.co uh, also that you can get it at and so there's nice. I mean there it's it's if you if it's not being offered um and you ask for it they will they will find i mean the it's 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 uh a widely um accessible book so you, they'll be able to find it it's just that sometimes they're not carrying yet all right so maybe if you're hearing this the coolest thing to do would be to go to your local bookstore and say i want a copy of this book and i'd love to buy it from you that'd be yeah. amazing yeah nice and then we'd rather shop online than shop on bookshop.org we'll make that'll that'll be 
support independence more than than the other Perfect. options perhaps okay yeah, totally. lovely thank you miles awesome. thanks everyone for listening this has been a real gift thanks for tuning into the wonder dome this podcast was produced by me andy cahill with support from kaylee Serqua and post-production by jim Serqua of sump pump studios the wonder dome is recorded and produced primarily on unceded nipmuc territory i honor their ongoing leadership and stewardship of the land I trace my own ancestral roots to Celtic peoples from Ireland and Scotland and to Anglo and Germanic tribes across Northwestern Europe. We all come from somewhere. We're all going somewhere. May the wisdom of our ancestors guide us and may we find our own wisdom along the way. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love on the review boards. If you feel called to support this humble offering while making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You can find out more at my website, thewonderdomepodcast.com. Until then, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.